You're listening to Small But Mighty, the Niche Lawyer Podcast, a podcast dedicated to featuring solo and small firm attorneys doing big things within a specific niche and how those niches empower them to greatness. And now here's your host, Conversations Digital founder and CEO, Megan Hargroder. Hey, hello, hello, and welcome to Small But Mighty, the Niche Lawyer Podcast. Today, I'm talking with a small but mighty solo attorney, Clark Harmonson. Clark, thank you for joining me today. Hey, Megan, glad to be here. Uh, this is my first podcast, so I'm, I'm ready and anxious to uh, talk about uh, medical malpractice and my niche practice. Yay, look, you're already doing great. Uh, so we're going to jump right in. And when we say medical malpractice, can you give us kind of the layman's terms for what exactly that means? Well, medical malpractice is just when a doctor or a physician, a healthcare provider, you know, has a conduct that is below the standard of care that causes damage to another person. So we're just talking about errors at the hospital, errors in doctor's offices, errors during surgery that, that significantly harm another person. So that's medical malpractice in a nutshell. Cool. So what would be like a common example of that, that, that people could wrap their brains around? Um, we see a lot of surgical errors, um, mm. errors that the physician might make during a surgery. Um, we see uh, communication errors between doctors and nurses in, in the hospital, um, patient falls. We've been getting a lot of bed sore cases lately where a patient will go in and for whatever reason, they can't um, turn themselves in bed and they develop you know, huge bed sores that occur at the hospital. So those are some of the types of cases that we handle. And are there any like common threads that you've noticed from case to case in terms of like what's causing these in general, whether that be, you know, tired or overworked nurses, you know, burnout in the healthcare system, uh, aging providers not being at the top of their game, that kind of thing? In the hospital setting, I think that you hit the nail on the head there with just a lot of overworked nurses. Um, we never try to make the case about the nurse in particular. Uh, we make it more about the system and a system failure um, and whether that's overworking the nurses um, or the nurses not communicating with the physicians about needed orders or, or the patient status. So those are some of the themes that we see in the hospital setting. Um, with respect to physician negligence, I think um, sometimes doctors, they get either in a hurry uh, to do the procedure or sometimes they don't fall back on uh, sound medical principles. Uh, and they, I, I hate to say this, but sometimes they have a God complex. Um, I can think of a, a physician right now that we have a, a gallbladder case where the doctor thought he had seen uh, what, what we would call the critical view of safety to, to clip uh, the cystic duct and he just missed it. And instead of going back and saying, well, we're gonna close this patient up, they, they go ahead and cut anyway. And then they ended mm. up you know, cutting the, the bile duct, which caused a, a massive injury to our client. Okay, that's real. This is getting really heavy. Um, well, I guess it's kind of, it's a really, it's really heavy work to be doing the medical malpractice stuff. So can you talk a little bit about that in terms of, you know, 
your goals, you know, why, why you chose to uh, work in this area and what your kind of mission and, and goals for that are and how that affects you too. Um, the, the clients that we have uh, and that we take on because medical malpractice cases are so expensive to prosecute, the clients are severely injured. Um, and so our goal is to make those people as a whole as we possibly can um, and, and to hold the healthcare industry ac accountable for their wrongdoing. Um, and it's a very challenging uh, field of law. Uh, it seems like the doctors uh, and, and healthcare providers, especially in Texas, have all of the benefits uh, of the legislature in their favor. And so it's almost like a David Goliath type of a practice. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we're able to help our clients. And so that's a, a nice feeling uh, when we're able to help somebody who's so severely injured or lost a loved one. Yeah. So with COVID-19 uh, and how this past year has gone, how, how have you seen these medical malpractice cases change or evolve or has, have things become different on your side of things? You know, there's still hospital care, uh, even during COVID, that's un-COVID related or non-COVID related. And so we're still seeing three or four telephone calls a day for medical malpractice cases in the hospitals. I think what's been difficult for us is that COVID has uh, uh, clothed or cloaked these physicians and nurses in an air of, of uh, hero worship almost mm. that would be the right term and they they are to some extent um you know COVID has changed everything and so we find it is going to be a little bit more difficult to bring these cases against these doctors who are already uh, cloaked with some air of hero if you will and COVID's just made that even more difficult for us yeah, I've noticed that there's a there's a huge attention on healthcare workers and first responders as as heroes, and it seems to me like they're more overworked than ever. Um, and you see a lot of people exiting those jobs as well at this point. Um, are you? Do you feel like there's more cases now than there was before? just because there's been so much attention given to the COVID-related cases that maybe other patients aren't getting the care they need? I think when the pandemic first started, uh, elective procedures, all other kind of surgeries and those kind of things went way down. So I think there was a, a lull in the cases there for a while, but as, as life is getting back to normal, I think the hospitals are you know, at full capacity, they're back to doing procedures. Uh, everybody's going back to the doctor. And so I think the cases are there um, despite COVID. Yeah, I guess in a perfect world, these cases wouldn't exist, right? You'd be doing something completely different. <laughs> sure, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, that that's the truth. My sister's a doctor, you know, and she doesn't think that anybody should ever be sued. So I, it's not that I have a hate for doctors. I, you know, I love doctors. I love my personal doctors. It's just when, when a doctor does something wrong, we want to be there to help our clients recover. So that's our goal with these cases. And are there any cases in particular that you've worked on that are very close to your heart or that you would want to kind of share, of course, you know, non-identifying details, but maybe just tell us a bit about a case. 
Sure. Well, I moved to El Paso in uh, 2004, and my very first case was a what we would call a baby brain damage case. It was a case involving a, a mother who went into labor, and in, instead of having a C-section timely, the, the doctors and the hospital staff you know, failed to communicate, and the baby ended up having a hypoxic brain injury, uh, lack of oxygen to the brain, which we contended could have been prevented had they had an earlier C-section. Um, so that case really shaped my medical malpractice um, knowledge, number one, and then number two, compassion for our clients. Um, at the end of the day, that case settled for, you know, a very good amount of money, um, and we were able to get that child, uh, you know, uh, uh, home, care, those kind of things that were needed. I've had the opportunity to work on, you know, three of those such cases. Uh, we just had a client the other day send us a, a photo of her child, you know, <laughs> we had the case five or six years ago, and of course the child's older now, and, and the baby was, you know, obviously still damaged, but doing better so that was very rewarding to see that client and, and oh, get the, the nice phone call from the client several years later so there are some silver linings then in the work oh there's a lot of silver linings we just love helping people uh through these tough times uh everyone again in the medical malpractice world all of our clients are, are very hurt and so at the end of the day, when we're able to really make a difference in somebody's life, it, it makes us feel good to, to help them. Yeah. Well, we have talked a lot about medical malpractice specifically, um, but I would love to, so on the Small But Mighty podcast, uh, our philosophy is that it's all about the niche. So um, tell me about your philosophy of, of, and why you decided to niche here, you know, you don't take on miscellaneous cases of divorce and, you know, uh, bankruptcy and all of these other things, you know, you are strictly, um, you know, helping like your tagline says, helping good people, you know, recover from bad injuries. So, um, what made you decide to do that and, and take the leap to go niche and how do you feel that that's affected your business and your firm? Well, um, when I started out on my own um, eight years ago, or maybe even longer than that, I did do a little bit of business work and a couple of different areas, and it just wasn't, I wasn't very good at any one, I wasn't great <laughs> at any one thing, and so i had always had this medical malpractice background with my previous employer, my previous firm, and I thought if we really focus and drill down on medical malpractice, we can, num number one, you know, capture a good part of that market share um, and really serve our clients well. So I have, uh, it's myself and another attorney who just does nothing but medical malpractice. And we really enjoy that uh, part of the practice. And it's, it's, been very beneficial for us, you know, both uh, economically um, and then just for our clients. Yeah, a jack of all trades is a master of none. So essentially, you're going in mastering this one thing, and it feels good to be good at something. It's it's good to turn down stuff that you don't want to do. I, I had a friend that would refer me some little business stuff when I first started off, and I I felt like I needed to do it. 
um, just just so I could get, you know, five grand or a little bit of money to help, you know, support the cause. But it's at the end of the day, did I want to be doing that? No. And so it's been really freeing to be able to just turn down all that kind of stuff and really focus on what we want to do, uh, which is, you know, help good folks here in El Paso and Las Cruces with medical malpractice matters. Awesome. Well, this was very informative. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining me today, Clark. Do you have any final closing words for any solos or solo hopefuls who are thinking about going niche but not sure? Well, Megan, thank you for, uh, for having me again. And I would just say take, take the leap. Um, you're going to be better off in the end if you pick a specific practice area learn that practice area, let everyone in the community know that you do that practice area, you'll get more referrals, you'll get better referrals, and life is going to be better. Um, sometimes the, the low-hanging fruit is not, it's, it's what's keeping you down from really having a successful practice. So I would say find that practice area, stick to it, learn it, and you'll do great. I love that. I'm going to use that for a pullout quote. Sometimes the low hanging fruit is keeping you down. Love it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Clark. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll see you on the next episode of Small But Mighty.